Well, first, let me welcome Miss Tracy Bowen. Hello, Tracy. How are you? Hi. Hi there, Professor. Thank you for having me. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Look, so um, you, you have a book. Yes. 21 Lessons in Counting. Yes. Uh, tell me, what inspired the book? Uh, what inspired the book? Um, actually, this book uh, is an organic outcome of uh, a therapeutic process that I started with regards to healing to my previous relationship, um, which was an abusive one. And I was told by my therapist, you know, you need to have an outlet. So she said, what do you do for fun? I said, well, I love to write. She said, well, I think you should continue writing. And in writing about those experiences, um, the book morphed out of that in the sense that I, as I read, reread what it is that I had written, I saw the the role that my daughter was playing in terms of my healing process and my life's journey as a whole, um, not just with this experience, but with previous experiences. And since everyone kept asking me, well, Tracy, how is it that you're managing to um, do all that you do with her and raise her to be so successful academically? How did you do it? And here we have the book. So, um... I'm not going to ask you how you did it because <laughs> you learned that from reading the book. Yes. All right. But but all right. So you mentioned something and, and you can let me know whether it's something that you don't want to talk about. Um, of course. But um, so you mentioned you were in an abusive relationship. And unfortunately, yes. um, we're learning or, or we know that too many women end up in those kinds of relationships. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I have two sisters and. Um, they were both um, at one point in time in an abusive relationship. Um, so, so I guess what got you out of it? What, what led you to say, okay, enough's enough. It's time for me to move on. Uh, you know, uh, it took, it, it, it was not um, kind of like someone, I was listening to someone and she said that, you know, it was like this aha moment. Well, my aha moment came uh, when he choked me and I became unconscious and I was sexually assaulted by him after um, he was released from being arrested from assaulting me two weeks prior. And that was when I realized, okay, I could lose my life um, and I needed to be around for my daughter. So it took him almost killing me um, to wake me up, uh, sadly. But, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate and, and very thankful that it did happen since uh, three women die 
uh, every day in the U.S. alone uh, from wow. domestic violence. So I'm very, very fortunate that I was able to survive the or um, the the experience, I should say, um, you know, as traumatic as it was. But it took me being, or rather, getting for it to get to that point for me to say, okay. You know what, Tracy? You have your daughter. You you have to get out of this, or you could lose your life. Okay. Yeah. So so was was did he love you? Um, I don't think he ever. Well, I know now that he never loved me. Um, was it what a claim he made though? It was a claim that he made, um, and initially his actions uh, did present itself in that way. I mean, he was a uh, very attentive. Uh, you know, very, um, he seemed very concerned about my, my needs and, and uh, he seemed to be a family man. He seemed to have it together. Um, but of course, as time progressed and this was, you know, uh, what, I guess what my mom said, you did not take your time to get to know him, um, you know, but he presented everything that I wanted or thought that my ideal mate should embody initially. Um, and it was not until he, you know, understood that he got me and I was like, okay, that I had fallen for him, did his true color start to show. Um, and it started with the lie. And of course, that lie led to another lie. What lie? Well, he told me, um, and when we met, that he had three children from a previous marriage. Um, and uh, let's just put it this way. By the end of our relationship, I found out he actually has six children. So, you know, I mean, to deny your children and that, you know, he denied the first one, <laughs> which was I found it was number four. Um, but I should have that should have been like my sign. Any man that can not just deny, but just blatantly say, no, I have no more children. I don't know what this girl is talking about. Um, and then you find out, well, OK, yes, he did know he does have the DNA test results. He the young lady sent everything to me. Um, that should have been my cue to exit because I, I don't think um, a man, a, a, a real man, would deny his his child. Probably not. <coughs> Pardon me. Probably not. But maybe his feeling was that if you knew you'd leave him and he was so in love with you that he didn't <laughs> want to lose you. Of course, you know, men can, um, you know, rationalize anything. <laughs> but um, true. But uh, so so that experience. Well, so. It's great that you got out of it mm -hmm. and great that you moved beyond it. Now, here's something else you may not necessarily want to talk about, but I think it's an interesting conversation because um, we don't have it as often as we should. And that is that it's okay to see a therapist. Yes. There's nothing wrong with seeing a therapist because it suggests that you're trying to get right. Of course. And you recognize that there's something wrong. So mm -hmm. did you go <coughs> through any kind of, did, did you have to go through some kind of process to say, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and see a therapist? Um, did you, was it, what in your mind, had you attached a stigma to it? Uh, uh, yes, yes. Um, I did have a stigma about seeing a therapist. Um, and uh, you are correct. There was a process that I had to go through that actually led up to me seeing my therapist. Um, you know, I realized that there was a pattern. Um, and the pattern was this relationship that I was in that led to my book. Uh, me writing my book was not the first abusive relationship. And 
I had to examine myself. It took me uh, taking a period of time after the incidents occurred um, to reflect and to see that there was a pattern of behavior um, that I was allowing. Uh, and I, you know, I have to, and one of the first things that uh, one of my detective, the detective on the case and, and the ADAs uh, on my case told me is in, you have to hold yourself accountable for some of the, the experiences that are happening to you. And when will you know that enough is enough before he kills you? So as harsh as that seemed at the time going, you know, having heard it, when I initially heard it, I went home and I processed what uh, my ADA, uh, very nice woman, Miss Phil and Jerry for the Queen's ADA had said to me um, and also what the detectives had said. And um, it was true. There was a pattern of behavior on my part where, you know what, Tracy, something must be wrong for you to keep getting yourself um, attached or rather attracting uh, men who are uh, abusive. And it's not to say that I did not have experiences with, with men who that were um, bad. They weren't all bad, but there was something wrong with me and I needed to fix me first. So, yes, you know, it took that so can I ask you for uh, me to <coughs> leap to get there. Yes. Can I ask you another personal question? Sure. What was wrong with you? Um. We, you know, after some very intense sessions, uh, we found out that I experienced uh, serious parental abandonment issues um, and having been raised by a mother who <coughs> herself um, had experienced those issues with my grandmother leaving her at the age of 10 to migrate to the United States, my mother did not know how to be or wasn't taught how to be a mother. Um, and she, too, was looking for uh, that father figure in her life. So she, you know, made she did the best that she could mm. and from what she knew um, and learned on her own. But she did not have anyone there to provide the guidance that she needed. So she got involved in an emotionally abusive relationship with my stepfather. And for me, I was it was a cycle repeating itself because I then got involved in emotionally abusive relationships uh, first. And it you know came to find out um, through my therapy sessions that this all stemmed from my father who um, had hit my mother prior to her. She he hit her on February 1st. I was born February 2nd. I did not see him for the first time until I was nine years old. And the last time I saw my, my biological father, I was 11. He told me he wanted me to meet the rest of his family. And he would come get me on the weekend and he never showed up. That well, was sounds the last like my father. That was the last time <laughs> I saw him. Sounds like my father. Yeah. I mean, he, my father stuck around till uh, I was in third grade. And then he, he kind of left me and, you know, the family. <coughs> but after that, I mean, you know, he would say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to come and you know, school time comes around. I'm going to come buy you some clothes. Meet me at 12th and Market, you know, and I yeah. go and he's not there, yeah. you know. And yeah. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, what's what's really interesting is the cycle that you mentioned. Yes. And and how um, important it is for people who are experiencing these types of issues to recognize that they could be living out this cycle is what they learn. You know, th um, one of the pediatricians that we used to take 
uh, my daughter's two has something on the wall it says something like you know children learn what they live mm-hmm. and um and and i think you know we have to ex- you know we have to to acknowledge the fact that what we you know the environment we raise our children in is what they internalize and what yes. they learn to live and what they've come to expect and so um so so now here's here's the next phase right and so you recognize that uh through through your conversations with your therapist you kind of you know were able to you know y- your therapist was able to lead you to the insights that yes. you've had That's um and one of the insights was that you had abandonment mm-hmm. issues okay and so your book talks about how one mothers was empowered um to raise a a thriving teen mm-hmm. i'm sure you get into more detail in the book yes but what were some of the things you realized you had to do to stop it with you mm-hmm. and make sure your daughter didn't kind of embrace that that whole you know abandonment issue i'm gonna let it play Mm -hmm. out you know whatever uh well again you know one of the first things i needed to do was to hold myself accountable um for the role that i i play in my own energy and the energy that i attract in my life um you know that was the first thing i needed to do i realized also that Part of healing does not mean uh, running from one relationship to the next, which, you know, oftentimes we hear people say, oh, you should move on. And people misinterpret that and think moving on means you move on to someone Mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. Um, But in reality, you're not giving yourself the time to heal. And in in actuality, for me, uh, moving on means moving on in terms of growth and maturity, that is what it now means to me. Before, it meant moving into or onto another relationship. Never never taking the time to sit back and think, well, okay, what do I need to do? What did I do? What could have been done differently? Um, what proactive measures could I have taken to have you know, a different result? Um, so that was the second thing that you know, I, I learned, which was I, how to heal. And that meant uh, separating myself from a lot of the um, the energy that I just mentioned because I realized my circle, they themselves uh, were part were being victimized. They themselves had a certain level of thinking, um, and the way that uh, they were processing information, you know, they were encouraging me to do the same, and I it it dawned on me. That in order for me to elevate and to be better, I needed to surround myself with better, if that makes sense. So being accountable for my actions, learning how to heal, to separate myself from, you know, from people and things that no longer meant me well and taking time to 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 truly heal, um, you know, which it, it was very lonely, I will admit, because there were many days where, you know, I was in such a depressive state um, not wanting to speak to anyone, not wanting to, t- you know, go out anywhere. I was home all the time, uh, gained a lot of weight, you know, it was, uh, but I realized I was healing, uh, not healing, but just 
digging myself in a deeper and deeper hole. And it, it took a lot of reflecting reflection, I should say, um, just to see what was going on. And then I started to surround myself with different people, people who um, knew more than I did, people who uh, were successful, thriving in various, they, they weren't perfect, but they each had something to offer that would help me. Um, whether it was, uh, you know, in the way that they they spoke their mannerisms or, you know, maybe they were successful at business. Maybe they were academically gifted or, you know, they were empowerment speakers. Um, I started listening to people like um, Oprah Winfrey, Maya Angelou. Um, I would just go to, you know, YouTube and I would just pull videos on uh, various people, Dwayne Meyer, um, you know, I even started reading the Tao, which, it, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. I apologize. I apologize. No, 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 no. But, you know, you get where I'm saying. I started right. to just do things differently. Um, and I realized that I needed to change who I was first. And then that would then set the example and the tone for my daughter. Um, because had I not taken the moment and the time that I needed to heal and to know my worth and my value and to just have a different outlook on things, I knew that my daughter would have repeated my mistakes. I, I just knew that that was what was going to happen because it's what happened with my mom and with me. And I knew that if I had not changed who I was as a person, she would repeat those mistakes. So what's happening with your daughter? I mean, can you like, is she teenager now uh, she is 17 going on 40 <laughs> thinks she knows it all um she is a senior in high school she goes to you know a very very good school um urban assembly school for law and justice um and uh was accepted to howard university great, um, school. great school which um is her it was her first choice top pick she's wants to go um you know uh, she mentors as well um, and is, you know, very active in school. She is the head cheerleader leader at the school um, and is part of the Young Women's Association um, on campus. So they get together and they just encourage um, the younger, the incoming freshmen and sophomore and juniors on the realities of life. And, you know, it, it's she's doing very, very well. Um, I She's not perfect. We do have, um, uh, we do butt heads, as they say. Uh, on many occasions because, again, as I mentioned before, she is at this age where she's coming into her own but thinks she knows everything. Um, and though she is smart, I'm not sure if you can relate to this, but because they're smart, they feel they somehow have the right to tell you what it is. And, you know, I will admit she <laughs> she's pretty smart and she does correct me. But, you know, it's just that line, you know, um, I wanted her to be my friend where she can trust me enough to tell me things. But I realize at times that sometimes it comes back to bite me uh, in the butt because she she thinks, well, OK, you're my friend, not my parent kind of thing. So I can talk to you about certain things or how I want to talk to you. Um, so we're we're still working out the kinks, which is why the book is called 21 Lessons in Counting, counting because I'm still counting, you know, but um, that's where we are right now. Well, that's fantastic. That's really good. Now, here's another question I have for you. <coughs> so we met probably 10 years ago. Huh? I think so. And uh, it was in a class. You yes. were. All right. And so despite all of these 
negative things that may have been happening to you, you you were still doing some positive things, like you decided to enroll in college and this and the other, right? So what what kind of prompted you to to go to college? Um, what I, I guess you know what I'm thinking that you seem to have an idea of wanting to to be somewhere and go somewhere. Mm-hmm. You had you had some goals, right? <coughs> um, so so I guess the the negative things that were happening to you did not prevent you from setting goals like hey, I want to get a degree mm-hmm. and then pursuing <coughs> those goals mm-hmm. right was he supportive in you doing those things at all uh no um you know the reason I went back to school uh when I came to this country um it had always been a dream of mine to go to school because my mother did not receive a college degree. Um, the opportunities were just not afforded to my mother and, um, you know, the life that we had uh, in Guyana, it was not uh, one of privilege, so to speak. My mom, you know, for most of, of her adult life has held down more than one jobs. So those opportunities were not afforded to her, and she always stressed the importance of um, education and having, uh, you know, the opportunity to go to school, go to college here. She told me, she said, once we get to America, please go to college, go to college. You don't want to be like me, you know. And she said, your education is something that no one will ever be able to take away from you. Specifically, she said, no man will ever be able to take that away from me. And once you're an educated woman, she said, you'll see, you'll be able to stand on your own and you won't have to rely on a man to do things for you. Because when you rely on them for everything, they somehow feel or seem to think that they own you and it's they can do whatever they want, whenever they want. So she, she saw education as a way out as a way out my mother always knew that it was a way out but she just did not have the means to do so for herself so that was why I enrolled once I got here I however I am um, when I came to this country my cousin who is now um, assembly uh, she's an assembly woman in Queens Assemblywoman Alicia Heinemann she was working at Brooklyn College in their immigrant center um, at the time and uh, in terms of helping immigrants to get get into college and she, you know, at her urging and, and with her guidance, I was able to take the SAT exams. I scored very well, was accepted to a number of states, H, um, HBCUs, Delaware State, um, in all these schools. However, we were not in the country for a year. And due to uh, the immigration laws at that time, um, we were not eligible for financial aid or um, any types of loans. So they said you need to wait a year. And within that year, uh, you know, when you get here and you're staying with family members, if you're not doing anything, you got to work, you have to contribute. So we were staying with my grandmother when we arrived in this country. And since uh, the 
you know, my dream of going to college was put on hold because um, of our status here. We had we were permanent residents. We didn't come here illegally, but we needed to be here a year. I had to work. So I went to this temp agency, got a little administrative job at the teacher's retirement system. And that's where I met my daughter's father. And one thing led to another young, you know, foolish, naive, thought I'd be with him forever and ever and ever. Um, and then my daughter came and long story short, um, when she was born, uh, he told me in uh, 2000 that he was not ready to be a father. And um, then September 11th happened. He actually, prior to that, um, it was, she. he said, no, I'm not ready to be a father. I need to go find myself. And then one Saturday morning, he came in. He showed me he had enlisted in the U.S. Army. And then September 11th happened. He was gone. And he came back with PTSD. So, um, you know, that was the, when he came back, I mean, he was very abusive. I hid it for a very long time uh, from my mom because by then we were living on our own. So she did not know I was being abused. Um, however, to cope with him being in the military and being away, I just signed up for college. I said, you know what? My dreams of going to an HBCU is not going to happen. I'm a mother now. I'm 19 years old. So you know what? I have to get into school. And Medgar was near our home. Um, we were living on Sterling Place at the time. And I'm like, you know what, I have to do something. And that's when I just signed up, you know, to take a course here or there at my Gerber's. Um, And um, when he finally uh, decided to come home and not, you know, from a tour of duty, um, he beat me badly, very, very badly. And um, there was a sense of paranoia when I would go to school. Where are you going? Why are you going? Why do you need to go to school? That kind of thing. So, you know, my daughter's father was never supportive. And then that relationship ended. And as I mentioned before, um, it, it was not just uh, uh, him, but then it led to even my most recent relationship that I was in. There's always been some form of abuse uh, in one way or the other. Or I would meet a nice guy, but just not be confident in myself enough to recognize that this is a different individual and by then my guard was all up and you know those relationships the, the that had the potential of being good um i did not give it a chance you know so i'm like you know what i just have to focus on school i have to do what i need to do um because i need to break the cycle i need to do what my mother said um so you know the in terms of support no man has ever supported me in going back to school um, it, but my mother, it was at her urging um, earlier on in life that made me realize. And then, of course, being in this country, we all know, you know, having a high school degree, being an immigrant, the, the odds are already stacked against you. So I knew I needed to get my degree. Um, and of course, I went for my associates, graduated with that and realized that's just like a high school <laughs> diploma. So um, I took some time off because the stresses of life was getting to me, um, you know, uh, do being a parent or a single parent rather and, and trying to do the best for my daughter, working two jobs at one point, um, you know, to maintain having my own apartment and to maintain providing for my child um, because by then, you know, the relationship with her father and I had ended. So he pretty much left me. He was like, OK, you don't want to be with me then you do it yourself. So um, 
took me some time, but I did go back for my bachelor's, uh, graduated with that. And um, now I'm pursuing my master's, um, you know, and it's it's not easy. Uh, it has not been easy. I will not lie to any anyone and say it's been an easy road. But um, education was, you know, and I was telling Dean Rodas, um, being at McGrever is my time there. And now with supporting my master's, it's such a, uh, I don't want to say a distraction from the pain, but um, it has helped a lot with my journey, knowing um, who I am. You know, it, it has helped me to be this a stronger woman. Being, I'm not the best student, as you know. <laughs> I'm not the best student, but, you know, education has helped a lot in terms of, of a lot of things, in, you know, specifically with, even the entrepreneurial aspects of the book, um, you know, and, and in my day-to-day role at work. All right, so, so, so you've gotten your degree, your bachelor's degree, you're working on your master's degree. Yes. You've written a book. What, so what, what um, where are you going? What's, you know, what's your, what's your goal? I mean, you know, what's... My goal, um, I think the one goal that I have for myself right now is to make a difference, and I know this may sound cliche, but I'm hoping that my story um, will impact the lives of other women. And, and correction, I should not just say women because there are men out there who are being abused as well. And I, I think oftentimes society does not shine a light on on many um, uh, males who are going through similar situations with women. So I would like to rephrase that. I think my I would like my goal to be to impact people in general, young and old, um, you know, to change their lives and to change their way of thinking and to know that no matter your circumstances and what it is, life, the cards that life may have dealt you, um, if you want something and if you're determined, it is possible to accomplish anything. Um, I think, you know, the world or most people in general have lost a sense of hope um, and I found that, you know, my faith and, and holding on to hope, having hope is what um, keeps me going because I know that with hard work, perseverance, you know, just as long as I'm pushing and doing what I need to do, I'm pretty sure that, you know, I'll make a difference. I'll make a difference even if I just reach one person. So, um, <coughs> so you mentioned entrepreneurial, the entrepreneurial yes. aspects of your book. All right, so um, you wrote your book, yes. you self-published? Yeah, uh, yes, I did it independently um, because I realized uh, in in doing my research uh, in terms of finding a publisher, you know, to publish the book, when it came to my royalties, I could not sacrifice, you know, that much in terms of royalties for my book to have a publishing company do um, do it for me. So I went through um, Amazon, uh, which is uh, Kindle Direct Publishing. The royalties in comparison to other publishing companies was a huge. It was drastically different. Um, and as a result of that, I went with uh, KDP to publish my book um, because I, uh, for my hard copies, um, I get uh, 60% of my royalties as compared to some other places that I went to where I would only get 40% of my royalties and, and some places were even order, um, offering 17%. And I just could not do that. 
Um, and, you know, Amazon, they do the printing, they do every single thing, they ship, they, you know, they can market um, for me as well for a very small fee. And I found that to be the best, the best route um, with regards to if I would use them to do or rather to publish my second book that I'm working on. I maybe not only because I find with Amazon, my exposure is limited in the sense though this it's this huge company um, because they have so many books um, and people that have published through them. Somehow I'm lost. Right, right. You know, so. So, <coughs> so what are you doing um, as the entrepreneur marketing their product, which is this book? Mm -hmm. So. What are some of the things you're doing to, to get out there? Are you um, arranging any uh, book signings? Um? Well, I've I've had a speaking engagement. Do you engagement. have a business manager? <laughs> I do not have a business manager as yet, um, you know. But I I I don't mind having a business manager. Um, you know, right now in terms of marketing the book. To answer your question, I'm using uh, social media sites to do so. Um, you know, I have pages set up for the book on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, and I also at your suggestion, I created a website, um, 21lessonsincounting.wordpress.com, uh, and, you know, the book is on the site, and I, you know, it, it is a website for the book, and I do blog on it. Um, I do, I'm on par, a part of uh, Goodreads uh, as well, so I have the book placed uh, on certain sites so that it can get the exposure, um, you know, and I am doing uh, speaking engagements. What uh, What's next? Uh, I'm working on my second book. Um, that is what I have in the works, which will be published this year. The second book, the first book, uh, of course, was um, about, you know, my my experiences and, and parenting. Um, and again, I, I think I, I'm, I must put this out there. I'm not telling one anyone how to parent their child. I always have to put that out there. The book is just how you parented I, I parented my child and the success, and the success that I had. Right. Um, because a lot of people get offended when they're like, oh, you're telling me what to do. No. So I just had to say that. What works for you. Yes. <laughs> so and what works for you. Exactly. Um, so, yes, I'm working on my, my second book. Um, of course, I do have, you know, my nine to five, which is funding the dream, I should say. Um, and I do have a, a skincare product line that I started called the Key uh, Skincare Line. And, you know, I'm realizing now, as you mentioned, that having a business manager is very, very, it's very important um, because I'm trying to, um, you know, not work for anyone by the age of 45. I would like to retire from corporate America. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm learning, you know, daily that it is, it is a challenge to, to get to that point, because as you mentioned, they're the everyday pressures of life, you know, um, parenting as you, you, you alluded to. Um, so yes, I, I do know that I need to have a business manager because I'm trying to get to a certain, um, status, uh, financially where I can say, okay, corporate America, bye-bye. Um, so for now, for this year, it's my book. I also will be graduating pretty soon with my Master's of Science. Congratulations. Thank you. And um, I would like to get into possibly um, uh, either a nonprofit that will advocate for women of 
of domestic violence um, or people rather of domestic violence. I'm not sure if it is a nonprofit profit that I will f uh, create on my own. Um, however, it's looking more and more like that may be the case. I just want to make sure that the team I have behind me will be um, solid. And then I have to also decide if after getting my Master's of Science, do I also get clinically certified because my Master's of Science is in Human Servicing, Organization and Social Behaviors. So I can become certified in order to provide therapeutic services. So you want to become a therapist? It is possible. I'm leading down that, that pathway, that path I should say. But I'm not sure as yet because in the state of New York, there are so many, um, uh, <laughs> so many, the, the, the red tape, it's, it's a lot. It's pretty intense in the state of New York in terms of being clinically certified. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But I, I would love to, um, you know, use what has happened and, and become the success story. So when I am uh, speaking to people, I can say, no, I was there. But it kind of, you know, kind of like, look at me now and you can do it, too. So we'll see. One last question. We have to wrap up. We're running out of time. But one last question would be, have you designed uh, your T-shirts yet? Uh, I am working on that um, with my daughter. Um, I wanted to uh, develop, and, and you and I spoke about this as well, uh, you know, having sayings from my book or phrases from the book placed on apparel, um, you know, it's just a matter now of me selecting which ones to choose because there are 21 lessons, 21 principles um, above each lesson. Um, and if you like, say you turn to lesson one there, you'll see at the very top of it, there's a there's a, a verse, a Bible verse or scripture. So, you know, that that leads into the lesson. So I'm not sure whether or not I should put the principle, which is the Bible verse, mm -hmm. or should I take pieces from the actual lesson? So we'll see. I think we'll you should see. take pieces from the actual lesson. Yeah, I, I, we'll see how it know, goes. I, I think that would be a bit more creative yes. <laughs> than yes. quotes from the Bible. Well, Tracy Bowen, I'd like to thank you so much for showing up today and sharing um, what's going on with you. Congratulations on your book. Thank you. Congratulations on your impending uh, receipt of your Master's of Science degree. Thank you. Um, and uh, continue the, uh, the good work. Thank you, Professor. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I enjoyed much. this. I was rather nervous, but thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Um, thank you. You're welcome, Tracy. <laughs> You're welcome. So you've been listening to The Angry Black Man with a Plan in Search of Intelligent Negro Life in the Universe. I'd like to welcome you for listening. Or I'm sorry, I'd like to thank you for listening. And until next time, be good.